It's tournament time. Pacers Bucks today in season tournament semifinals right here in Las Vegas. The Pacers have got to stay focused. They've got to slow down the Bucks offense. Easier said than done. Obi Toppin's important. And we're going to talk about all of it today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today we are in the travel setup, as you can see and probably hear. We're in Las Vegas for in-season tournament action. Pacers Bucks tonight, yesterday was effectively media day. Got to hear from all the stars, see the practices, see the setup. It's pretty glitzy. It's very Vegas. We'll talk about that and what it means for the Pacers because I think that the bravado of all this is going to be a fascinating thing. We also talk about the Bucks, who the Pacers beat earlier this season without Dame and are a little bit of a different team. We're going to talk about Obi Toppin because I think he's very important tonight. And Vegas, baby, it's Vegas. We're here. As you can see for those watching, you can see the back of my head reflection in this window, but also T-Mobile Arena is right there. That's where the Pacers will be playing in a couple hours, actually. It's pretty late here uh, in Las Vegas, and it's been really interesting here seeing all this, right? Pacers were the first team to practice this morning. We got to catch up with Obi Toppin on the floor before talking to Miles Turner, Tyrese Halbert, and Rick Carlisle. The work's a usual media-adjacent day for everybody in uh, and first of all, the setup is like you talk about the playoff atmosphere, and we, we've heard this a lot. And I, I wrote a story about the feeling today from the Pacers, and there it, that question was asked a lot to everybody, right? The Pacers, the Bucks, LeBron, do these feel like playoff games? And I think there were two revealing answers. One was from a lot of people who just said, "Yeah, it does." For one game, it does feel like. You know, that level of intensity. It's not a series, right? You can't totally compare them. But that level of intensity and fan engagement and passion and their stakes. And so this is a regular season game tonight, for those who are unaware. This does count for the Pacers record. Um, but the difference is Damian Lillard nailed this, right? In the playoffs, it's, it, you know, it's if you lose, your season's over. There's finality. You're fighting to stay alive literally for months or you're done playing, and that does not exist with this, right? If the Pacers lose to the Bucks tonight, they play Monday. They play in Detroit anyway. So it's like they'll have three days off, and then we forget the in-season tournament thing happened, and they had a great run, and it was great. So it's not exactly a playoff atmosphere, but to be in Vegas, to be in a setting like this, and to have the buzz, which we'll talk about in literally just a second, is really a thing for the Pacers. Like, this is a big deal. There's a plaza. You can't see it because it's too low, but – Big plaza right behind me. Tons of banners for all the teams out here. Tons of activities. There's going to be a concert uh, at ha- in between the two games tomorrow for the fans. Obviously, with the Lakers here, there's a lot of people excited about this. Of course, the Pacers, Bucks, and Pelicans have fans too. But you know, you you know what I'm saying. So this is a big deal. And for the Pacers, I think the key for their success, both the two days they've already been here and in tomorrow's game, is focus is focus and playing their way, right? I think that we've seen now that when they are lasered in to their game plan and when they're giving effort and energy, 
they can beat anyone. That doesn't mean they will. They've had some awful losses, even in games where they had energy, like Toronto and Charlotte. They didn't really have energy in two of their other gross losses, but they did in those two games. But they didn't have focus in those ones, and they didn't have you know any sort of stretch of defensive success. And they usually struggle on that end, obviously, but in their best wins, Philly, Boston, Cleveland, Miami, there were a couple stretches, right? Obi Toppin slowing down Jimmy Butler, or they finally forced Tyrese Maxey to struggle, or they did that really good um, mid-third quarter stretch against Boston, late-third quarter stretch against Boston on Monday, where they actually get stops. The only, like, Boston scored 24 in the first quarter Monday, right? Like, that is when they're focused and the energy's there. And I think that's going to be important. And it's much more challenging here than it is when your in-season tournament games are in an NBA city. They've been fortunate that, you know, in Philly they were already there. In Atlanta it was a little one-off trip. In Cleveland they were already there, right? They have a lot of – it's such a short travel. And the other ones were home games where it was easy to kind of focus in. But here, the glitz and glamour of Vegas – it's Vegas. There's a lot of fun stuff to do. That can be distracting, right? That can be, a, a, you know, part of this. Like you look around and you're in an arena with a blue and red NBA colored court and it's theater lighting in there. And I think that it, it, it's really interesting. It's very dark, like very dark. I hope it comes through on TV. This is the darkest theater lighting I've ever seen. Like the lights up high are actually like kind of distracting. Players won't have an issue with it. But, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how all of that ambiance, the playoff atmosphere, the Vegas baby of it, impacts the Pacers. And that's part of it. Those are the things, though, that impact every team. Every team's in Vegas. Every team's playing on the same court. Every team has made it this far. Every single one of the four teams here has to deal with those distractions, what the Pacers have, that I think is going to be fascinating to see, and why I think focus is so important for them, is buzz, right? They are beat Miami without Halliburton, and then beat the Celtics, which is a huge win for them. And they've kind of become this darling, right? Maybe it's because they were played first and they're the first team to clinch. Maybe it's because their offense is so attractive to people who, you know, catch them once every three games or even maybe some people who watch them every game. But for non-fans of the Pacers, they're an attractive team to watch because they, they're they putting up so many points and it's fun and they're beating all these good teams and they've become like this awesome story and like the face of like, this is what the institute tournament's about, a team like this. And so I asked Miles Turner and Tyrese Halberton about this. Like, can you feel the buzz around this team? And they're both like, yes, obviously, right? They have social media. They are consumers of NBA content, just like you and I, not to the same extent and not the same content, obviously. But, you know, they, they're into this stuff. And there is a buzz around the Pacers right now. And, you know, the last time they've had some high notes, they've had some duds right after, right? We, we've seen it all season with the, you know, they, they beat Detroit to clinch home court in the in-season tournament and then fall completely flat against Portland. And they have a big win right before their losses to Chicago and Charlotte. And they had the Atlanta game the night before the one-point loss to Toronto. Right, that peaks and valleys of the Pacers have been a thing this year. And some of that is just when you have the top offense and the worst at times defense. I think currently they're actually 28th on defense. Pump that one up. Um, they, they're going to have a lot of fluctuating results, right? Anyone can beat you when you have the worst defense, but you can also beat anybody when you have the best offense. But some of it is that they're, and this is, again, not an excuse, a criticism, a young team that's going to have peaks and valleys related to focus and, and swings of emotion and highs and lows that 
veteran teams don't have as much, right? They've been there, done that. One win or one emotional win is less significant to them. And so now I think the Pacers have had the most emotional win they could possibly have in a regular season setting, Monday. How they respond to that is going to be the story of this game to me, right? There's a lot of X's and O's stuff we can get into, but if they come out and they're focused and they're ready for the stage and the, you know they're playing a team that already beat this season, how does that impact? They're thinking like all of this stuff I think is going to be the story of this game. Can the Pacers block it all out and say, hey, we got here because we can really when we play our best and we're playing our identity and our style, we can really score. We can beat anybody. If they can do that and they can play that way like they did in Miami, like they did against Boston on Monday, they have a chance. They already beat the Bucs once this year. Dame didn't play. We'll talk about that in about two minutes in the second segment. But if they can't, if they come in and the stage is too much or that they're not, they're just ill-prepared or they, you know, coming off of such a high, they just come out a little flat and have expectations of, you know, playing well, then it's not going to go so well. And so I think that this whole setting is awesome. And it's great for the Pacers that they're on this stage. They earned it. They had a big national TV game. They're on ESPN tonight. Reggie Miller's on the call. Like all this little stuff. It's pointing Pacers, but they've got to take advantage. I think focus, beyond any X's and O's thing, beyond any numerical thing, I'm such a data guy that I can't believe I'm talking like this, is going to be so important for the Pacers today. And it's on their leaders, coaches, and players to get everybody in line and say, this is a big game for us. This is a huge game. There's money at stake. There's pride at stake. There's a trophy at play. We got to see that today, too. We got to focus. We got to play for it. And if they do win, they can play again on Saturday against the winner of Pelicans-Lakers, which is now also secured, which we did not know last time I recorded and said they were playing the Bucks. Speaking of the Bucks, we got to talk about them. What kind of challenges will they present? The Pacers, how well they've been playing, and why I think you might see a similar game to that Hawks game we saw earlier in the in-season tournament this season. Before we get to any and all of that, though, we're going to talk about the lovely people over at FanDuel because the weather's getting colder, not here, but the NFL offers stay hot like it is here on FanDuel right now. New customers get $150. Ooh, that's a lot. In bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet on FanDuel. What a deal. If your team wins on that $5 money line bet, you get $150. How about that? That's a great deal. How about the Colts rolling? Easier schedule down the stretch. Maybe they're the team to do it. Maybe it's the teams with the best record, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the whoever's. That is the way to go. If your team wins 150 bucks on FanDuel, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. In-season tournament. Hockey's going on. NFL, like I said, rolling. There's games in the NFL tonight. The app, FanDuel app, super easy to use. They have a wide range of betting options, including player props, spreads, and over-unders, and more. Whatever your favorites is, they've got them. So visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown to kick off the NFL season over on FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Back here again on Locked On Pacers. Thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Locked On Bucks. Hear about the opponent's perspective. Bucks also playing well. Just had maybe their best game of the season, which I will mention in just a second. They have a great offense. They have a former MVP. Dame is playing well. They're getting a little bit comfier. And you can hear more about them from the opponent's perspective and two people that actually cover them over at Locked On Bucks. The Bucks are a fascinating team. Fascinating to me. They are 15-6. and six. That's great. That's an awesome record. They've earned being here. They won their group convincingly. The only other undefeated team in the East to this point. In fact, one of three undefeated teams in the whole tournament, the Lakers and Pacers being the other two. They're great, obviously. They have Dame, they have Giannis, they have Chris Middleton. They're a great team. 
So I tweeted, mea culpa here a little bit, but not really. I tweeted a couple days ago. They just beat, it was the, I can't remember if it was after the Portland game or maybe it was the Wizards. I forget. They beat somebody very unconvincingly by like six, and it was a crummy opponent. And I said, the, the Bucks are 13 and six, and that's a great record. And I think I've watched them play and felt like they were playing well like twice the whole season. I remember I watched the game, they played Dallas, and they looked really good. And I can't remember the other one. And since I tweeted that, they have looked great. They have finally started to click a little bit, and that is scary for the Pacers. One, because when they played them the first time, there was no Dame. And two, because if they're playing better, they're playing better. They scored 132 against the Hawks on Saturday, and they scored 146. 146 on the Knicks uh, on Tuesday night. They had 131 against the Heat last week, 131 against the Wizards. That is the game I was Tweeting right after, I believe, right before that. They are scoring. They had 142 against the Wizards a different time on November 20th. 132 against the Mavs. 130 against the Hornets. I can shut up. You get the gist. The Bucks are a little bit on the ascent of, like, figuring out what they are. And Giannis today was talking about they've got to be better on defense. And he knows he's got to be better on defense to be a part of that. That's a big part of their growth as a team. And a big shocker. About the Bucks, Not a big shocker, right? They traded Drew Holiday. They're going to be worse on defense. But I don't think anybody thought they'd drop from top five to... Tw- they're currently 22nd in defense. They're behind the Kings and the Bulls. You know, teams that you don't expect them to be behind on the defensive end. So that's been jarring. But they're third in offense. 119.2 offensive rating. Only behind the Sixers and Pacers, of course, on that end of the floor. So they're going to be... A tough one for the Pacers. And I think this game, I'll make my official prediction now, is going to be a little reminiscent of the 157-152 Pacers-Hawks game from a couple weeks ago. Because, like the Hawks, the Bucks are top five in offensive rating. And like the Hawks, they're bottom ten in defensive rating. The Mavs are one of the only other teams in that situation, as are the Pacers. So when any of those two teams match up, you're going to get a high-scoring game. The over-under that I saw last for this game was 254.5. That is almost exactly what happened when these two teams played earlier this season. When it was 126-124 Pacers, that is 250, right? And that was no Dame. And that was a little earlier in the season of the Pacers. So I think that this is going to be a crazy high-scoring game with this new Bucks offense. And that's why I think a couple things are key for the Pacers from an X-factor perspective. One is... You, you would think the follow-up to that would be they have to defend. Well, yeah, duh. But I don't really know that the Pacers can stop the Bucks. <laughs> like, Giannis had 50-whatever. It might have been exactly 50 when they played earlier this season. And without Dame and with Middleton on a minutes restriction, not even closing the game, they got to 124, like, fairly easily, right? Like, that that was very telling, um, to be exact. They got to 124 with Giannis at 54, and Middleton played 20 minutes, and their next high score behind those two guys was Malik Beasley at 13, and they got to 124, right? Like, that is shocking. And the Knicks earlier this week had Middleton at 14 points in 26 minutes, Giannis at 35, Dame at 28, Beasley at 18, Portis at 13, Campaign at 12, right? They had points from everywhere, including a couple guys right below the double-digit mark when they throttled the Knicks. Now, 
that score is a little misleading because they ran so hot from deep. 23 made threes, 60% from deep. Yeah, you're going to score a lot of points when you do that. But in general, I think the Bucks are figuring stuff out as this season has progressed, right? They had it was it was kind of publicly discussed that they went to their coach and said, "Hey, we want to, you know, play the defensive style we know with Brook Lopez a little more and that's kind of helped them evolve on defense and now Giannis wants to improve on that and too. Like they are figuring it out as a team. They had to adjust right at the start of camp. It's a huge change from Drew to Dame. That's going to be a big deal. So I think that they're going to be really hard for the Pacers to stop. And that's why I think if you're the Pacers, yeah, you got to do your best to defend, obviously. But I don't think they can stop the Bucs. I just don't think they can. They've never been able to slow Giannis. He had 50, like I said earlier this season. And they've historically lost to him almost every time they've played prior to that game. That's why when people were like, well, Dane was out. It's not that impressive. Yes, it is. They've lost to Giannis. Every game practically since 2018. But Dame playing just changes everything. They can't throw the same guys at Giannis, right? Matherin's success was huge in that game. They tried a lot of stuff with Neesmith, with big men, with doubles. That's harder when Dame's out there doing his thing. And they're assuming they start the starting lineup they have, but that's been rolling. Well, then you're going to have like very few answers. Obi Toppin did not play very much when these two teams played back in November. I want to say like 12 minutes or something because he was pretty ineffective in that matchup. He played 12 minutes and 55 seconds. And I just think Obi's a big X factor in this game. I'm going to talk about that and his kind of growth as a player in the third segment. But in general, I think for the Pacers to keep up and win this game, it's not about their defense. They got to score it themselves. They have to be the Pacers. And I think that is something Tyrese Halliburton did a good job talking about today when we got to hear you know, from the team. Uh, I asked him about the buzz, the team's feeling. I mentioned this in the first segment, but he said, How do you not feel the buzz? We've all got social media. We talked about it all year. The better we play, the more love we're going to get. And you've got to take it and try to understand that can be a poison to a sense at the same time. And then he said the part that I think is going to matter a ton against the Bucs. He said, you've still got to do what you do and approach the game the same and just play Pacer basketball at the end of the day. 100% agree with the All-Star guard, of course. (laughs) What he says is more important than what I say. But they have to play their game offensively. They have to be able to score at the level at least that they did when they played this team in November. To me, if they're going to have a chance because the Bucks are going to score on them, right? Dame in any pick and roll, it doesn't matter who the screener is, is going to tear them up. They don't have the mobility or the guard play to stay in front of him. It's going to be hard for them to stretch out. They can set the screens all over the floor. If Brook Lopez hits just threes, you just cannot guard this team. That doesn't even account for Giannis, who they have no answer for, just none. And that's not a total criticism of the Pacers. No one has an answer for Giannis. But at the same time, they have to send a lot at him or foul him or all sorts of tough stuff. Right? Daniel Tice played the last time these two teams played because they were in so much trouble. Now they don't have Jalen Smith. So it's going to be fascinating to see how all that shakes out. But I don't think they can stop these guys. I just don't. And that's that's not shouldn't be a shock to anybody. They already played them once and couldn't stop them. So I think the key to winning this game with the Pacers is them scoring and turning this into a game like that Hawks game. Track me up and down. Points, small ball. Who cares if we can't get the stops? We got to put our most potent offensive five on the floor and just try to score and outscore them. And I think they can do that. They already did it once this season, although, again, Dave did not play. And the Pacers have done that too many teams. 130-something on the Sixers, 120-something on the Celtics, 140-something on the Heat. They've done it. They have to do it again if they're going to reach the in-season tournament finals. If they do, I'll be there. If they don't, I won't, obviously. But I'm fascinated to see how they do this and how they address trying to win this game. But to me, 
in a game where it feels like getting a few stops can be the difference, to me, that's not the difference. To me, it's all about the Pacers scoring and having a nice shooting game and moving the ball and playing their style offensively. And if they can do that, they'll give themselves a chance, as they have in many a game this season. What do you think? Tweet at me at Tony R. East or comment down below on YouTube. How do the Pacers win this game? What is the key for them? Who's the key player? One of them, to me, a guy that didn't play very much last time these two teams played, Obi Toppin, because of his newfound shooting and those small ball lineups I just alluded to. We're talking about that to close out today's show. Before we do any of that, though, we're going to talk about the great people over at Prize Picks, who are the making the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's easy, it's exciting, and it's simple. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections. Watch the winnings roll in. It's that simple. For example, Steph Curry, more or less, 29 points. Nikola Jokic, more or less than 10 rebounds. How about that? It's super simple. You can even do their specials leagues, which lets you combine across sports, like Travis Kelsey and LeBron James at a combo of 10.5 three-pointers made plus receptions, for example. That's a blast. The simple ones, the hard ones, there's a ton of stuff. And they have a reboot policy, so you can stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. How about that? You can get rebooted to the only daily fantasy sports platform with any injury insurance policy. You've got to check it out. Go to pricepix.com. Slash Lockdown NBA. Use that code Lockdown NBA for a first deposit match up to $100 on Prize Picks. PrizePix.com slash Lockdown NBA. Use that code Lockdown NBA. First deposit match up to $100 at Prize Picks Daily. Fantasy sports made easy. Hey, Karen, Lockdown Pacers. Thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. Check out Locked On Sports today next 24 7 live sports from the Lockdown Podcast Network. Over. On YouTube, I'll even be on there every so often. And if the Pacers win, I definitely will be on there if you want more Pacers coverage here from Locked On. I think Obi Toppin's a big player tonight. And I want to talk about why and why it could be different than the last time these two teams played. And a little evolution in Obi Toppin's game that has been very significant for him and the Pacers. The difference between last time and this time for the Pacers is they were trying all these center lineups to stop Giannis. I think that was a fine strategy. It mostly worked. Turner played 37 minutes and 16 seconds. He had four fouls, but he was good in that game. They tried Tice for eight and a half minutes. Jalen Smith was hurt at the time. Isaiah Jackson played 10 minutes and 44 seconds. Like, they tried going big. They just did. They plugged up all the minutes there. They had Tice at the four. They went huge. And I don't know if that's going to be as easy tonight with Smith hurt, with Tice now on the Clippers. Maybe Oscar Sheway plays if there's foul trouble. Who knows? But I think that they might have to do what they did against the Hawks when the final six minutes or whatever was just Obi Toppin at the five. And Jalen Johnson at the five. Let's just try to outscore each other. We can't stop each other. Screw it. Let's go big and change things. And the reason that that has evolved as a strategy that is successful for the Pacers, right? Toppin and it could, played 13 minutes last time these two teams played, right? He had seven points and a turnover. That was all his stats. Not getting a rebound. He did not have an assist, not a steal, not a block. That's it. He was fine. He's plus six. But, like, they didn't need him. They did not need him that night. And a key thing he did in that game, and he didn't play very much, but he only took two threes. And I think that is where he has evolved a ton for the Pacers. So I'm going to walk you through a little anecdote here and walk you through some splits for Obi Toppin and why I think that these small ball things, especially with Jalen Smith, have become such a threat, right? Opening night happens, and Obi Toppin takes five threes against the Wizards, over half his shots. He scores 11 points. And then across his next five games, he takes the following number of threes in the games. One, two, one, one, two. So through six games, Obi Toppin took 
barely any threes, right? I should be able to do that math faster in my head. That is 12 threes, two per game. And he made three of them, 25%. So he's not a threat from deep. And he scored 11 points three times, and those were his highest scoring games for the Pacers, right? So not like a fine offensive player, certainly. And you could see where the fit was, and he was still shooting over 50% in half of those games. He was a good player, but he wasn't a spacer, and he needed to play the four. And then in the Pacers' next six games, there was a little tweak, right? Rick Carlisle worked with him. And they've been talking about this. He's tall and he's fast. And he's got kind of, uh, not odd, but just like different angles to him than some other guys of his size. So when he slows down into a shot, he often ends up fading to the sides. And he realized that and Carlisle realized that. And they really worked on him getting his feet down, getting on balance, and then shooting. They started to work on it early in the season. So for the next six games after that start, Toppin takes 2.8 per game, right? So 0.8 more per game. He took three, uh, almost every game in that stretch. He had one game where he took two. So you could see the volume going up. And that made him, one, a spacer, but two, he was just more valuable. Uh, the Philly game, he had 27. He had 19 against the Spurs. And he was defending Wembenyama really well. He had 14 the first game in Philly. Right, You could see him start to figure out where his spots are coming from for the Pacers as his shot developed. That was a key stretch for his confidence. And then things really took off. In that Atlanta game when he was playing the five, he took six threes his most of the season, and he had 21 points that night. He only made one three. The threes actually weren't even falling, but then it all has clicked since then. Two for five against Toronto from deep. Three for five against Detroit from deep. One for four against Portland at off night. Three for seven against Miami. Four for five in Miami in the win, and then two for four on Monday against Boston. So two things stand out about that stretch. One is the accuracy, right? In his last seven games, Obi Toppin is shooting 44.4% from deep. That makes the small ball lineups more viable because he's not a five. He's stretching it out. He's making it five out. It's so hard to stop the Pacers in those moments. But not only is he making them, that 44% is huge. What did I just say, if you remember, his volume was in his second six-game stretch of the season, 2.8 per game. In the seven-game sense, it's 5.1. 5.1. Even the game he only played 19 minutes against Portland, he took four. So he now that he has worked on this technique and is figuring out where his shots are coming from from the Pacers is kind of turning into a valuable floor spacer. And it's working. I don't know if it's a permanent thing, but currently it's working. He's talked about wanting to be over 36% this season. Right now he's at 36.9 because his start was so poor. I don't know if there's going to be permanence to what's going on here, but that trend has been significant for the Pacers. Him working on his balance, not fading, taking his time on those catches. And oh, by the way, here's his point totals game by game for his last seven games. 21, 16, 15, 9, 25, 22, 12. That's 17.1 per game. I would have thought of Toppin differently as an acquisition if I thought he had any chance of being a stretch four. Well, currently, that's kind of what he's doing. I don't know, again, how permanent this is, but if he can be this guy, like he leads the league in two-point percentage. And now he's adding a three, right? His efficiency looks really good right now. 60.5% from the field. True shooting percentage, 70.1%. That is a valuable player, and that's a guy you can play as a stretch five. And so he is an X factor to me tonight. Because if they're going to win, like I said, they're going to have to score. And for them to score, I think a big weapon for them is going to be these lineups where Toppin is the five for a few minutes. It might suck on defense. The Bucks might just tear it up. Toppin's going to struggle if Brooke Lopez is setting a million picks with him on him. But if he can help the Pacers just have an unbelievable stretch of scoring, whether it's with shooting, 
whether it's with slashing, whether it's just being Obi Toppin, as he has been these last seven games, I think that's going to go a long way. And I think he's a very important player for the Pacers in this game in a way that he wasn't the last time these two teams met because of that spacing, because of that work he did with Rick, and because of what it's allowed the Pacers' offense to become. And it's crazy what his efficiency numbers are. I mean, I don't know how sustainable this three-point shooting is, but the two-point shooting, I mean, nothing looks weird about that. He's always been good at that. So I think there's something to this, at least a little bit, and we will see where it trends. But I think I'm going to put Obi Toppin as my X-factor for this game. If his threes aren't falling or they can't use him as a weapon in a small ball five, the Pacers are going to have to play big, and that's going to make them slower. It's going to make it a little bit harder for them to keep up with the Bucks. And unless Miles Turner just has an unbelievable night, it's going to be hard for them to keep up in the front court. Dame's amazing. We'll see, though. The Pacers team has surprised everybody, including me, all season, and they have a chance to do it once again tonight against the Bucks. It's going to be epic. I can't wait. It's very strange that it's at... 5 p.m. Eastern, but that league one of these back-to-back games in this setting. The Lakers game is, Lakers Pelicans game is about an hour after the Pacers game ends in the same arena. So looking forward to all of it, and you know we'll have the coverage right here on the Locked On Pacers podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Learn something about Vegas, about Obi Toppin, about the Bucks. That is my goal: be informative, be interesting, be fun, and hopefully my raspy voice doesn't distract you too much. We'll be back tomorrow talking about whatever happened in Pacers Bucks, Pacers path forward, what they could have done better or what they did do really well, and upcoming news for the team. Till then, I'm on Twitter at Tony R. East. The show is at Locked On Pacers. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your day and enjoy the game. We will see you soon. Bye.